2: And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Are you there, Ken?
1: I certainly am, Doctor. How are you today?
2: I'm doing pretty good. I am in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm broadcasting from my hotel. <laughs> I can't get my video working, so I'm not able to stream live onto Facebook and YouTube, but we'll be back next week there. They'll be, be with rate, you. We... They'll
1: be there for you, Doc.
2: We got the radio.
1: That's right. That's all you really need at this hour.
2: Yeah, well... For you, for your job, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> for my audience, I don't know. We'll find out. They what What come. are you doing there today? We are visiting our son, who uh, moved here for a job with Tom Bross, T-O-M-B-R-A-S, Advertising Agency, and he's an ad man. He was, uh, he's a character. He watched Madman, you know, the TV show sure. back in the... Yeah. In the 2000s, it was about advertising guys, and he just fell in love with it, the whole idea of it. So he got his master's in marketing and advertising in a subspecialty uh, called copywriting, which is the guys that actually sit down and write the the script for the, uh, the advertisement. So he does that. Of course, he does more than that. They have to do audio video, and they have to do brainstorming, and they have an art director, and they have a production director and all that, so he's working on some campaigns for some quick stop gas stations in, in the area, and also he's working on, a I think, some kind of a, a pro bono, good work, public service thing for Bud Light, and they're going to try to bring into it women's rights, and he's got some great ideas. Of course, he's a liberal because he's young, and he's not that smart. He's cute, though. He's really cute. Well, it sounds like an interesting job. Yeah, he he likes it, and he's got himself a really nice little apartment. I'll tell you, Knoxville is a cute little town. Have you been here? I have. It's adorable, yes. It is really a nice city. And uh, we went up to, what is it, uh, Pigeon Forge and, uh, oh, what's the other town up there in Tennessee? Hmm. I'll figure it out in a minute. Any rate, go to Dollywood? We it's right by Dollywood. What's that town called? We were there yesterday. That's uh any rate. All right. This whole area is gorgeous here in the foothills of the of the Great Smoky Mountains, and we went up to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park and we went horseback riding yesterday and uh We had lunch in the area there, and it's really gorgeous. We did an hour-and-a-half ride up the mountains through the woods, and the leaves are still a little bit hanging on. There's still some color left, so that was fun. We enjoyed that.
1: That sounds very relaxing.
2: Yeah, and, of course, I had to buy a Tennessee Vols sweatshirt because the volunteers were playing Kentucky, the Wildcats, and I had a blue jersey, which is the Kentucky Wildcats' color, and I didn't <laughs> want to get <laughs> beat up. But uh, the the volunteers beat the crap out of Kentucky yesterday. I think it was like forty-six to six or something like that. Ouch! Tennessee's ranked number two. I know they're very good this year. They're really good. So, you know, go Vols. Uh, when in when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Ken, that way you won't get beat up up, right yeah you won't get beat up (laughs) how the locals so we hey hey, um, but i'm in
1: green bay i don't advertise that i'm a bears fan you know
2: no no you don't want to do that and uh so we've had a good time and we've ate and dined and wined and walked around and seen the sights. it's been fun it's a nice area so if you get a chance you know the smoky mountains are gorgeous they really are they're it's a beautiful part of the world here, and there's a lot to do and see, and I think that anybody who comes up here would enjoy it. And by the way, I think it's the second or third largest tourist attraction in the United States after Orlando and Las Vegas. Is it really? I mean, yeah, it is huge. I mean, you can't believe all of the uh, all of the, hotels and uh, all the different companies that are here. There's not only Dollywood, Universal Studios, and... Um, Gambling uh, syndications and uh, Margaritaville—you know the Jimmy Buffett's chain—is here. So there's, God, there's got to be 10,000, 20,000 at least hotel rooms available up here, and the place is packed, just packed. Is Asheville
1: so, around there? How far is that from
2: Asheville? Asheville is about two hours away. Oh, okay, and uh, so you, you're you're close to. North Carolina, Georgia, Georgia's an hour and a half away, South Carolina and Kentucky, which is an hour and a half away. So you're pretty close to everything here.
1: Did you get to pigeon forge at all?
2: Uh, we went through pigeon forge and, uh, we also, uh, drove up to the great smoky mountains national park, which is, as you know, just South of Rocky top. And, uh, there actually is a place called Rocky Top, Tennessee. So.
1: Great song. I love that song.
2: Yeah, it is a great
1: song. It is. I just adore it, yeah.
2: So at any rate, uh, there's a lot to see and do here. And Oak Ridge is where they made the – where they uh, processed the U-235 for the first atomic bomb. And so you can visit there if you want to see where the atomic bomb was made. Well, it's that, a tour,
1: It's a tourist site now?
2: I think you can uh, still do some tours of part of the building. We did that when we were kids. I, I don't know um, if that's still allowed, but I, we, is it still it, an act? Is it still active? Are you still doing research there? You know, I do not know. I'm guessing that they still do something there. Um, I would think that that would be still of use because you know that that was a big, expensive facility there. They wiped out whole towns to build that. Yes, they did. Oh, the, the the town I'm thinking of is Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg, okay. Oh my God, I can't. How can I forget Gatlinburg? <laughs> so Gatlinburg is bigger than Pigeon Forge, and there's a lot to do there. So I'm, I'll pump that out, and I'll tell you, we had a good time, and it was it was really enjoyable. I know if my daughter, like most, my daughters,
1: and my wife like to go up there. The vivacious Deborah.
2: Like, yeah, like it, to go up there. It, it's once a once really miles. nice area, folks. I think you'd enjoy it, and it's it's you know it's only uh, an hour and a half flight from from St. Pete Clearwater airport in our Tampa Bay area. And from Tampa, I think it's about a 10 or 11 hour drive. So it's, it's really not fire. It's a lot of fun. Someday
1: I'll join them on one of those
2: trips. Yeah, you should join me, man. Well,
1: I do not miss, I have to miss with being with you, Don. Yeah. We don't want to do that.
2: No, we don't <laughs> want to do that. So, so we caught an Uber ride from the airport because my son was tied up in a business meeting. And the guy, interesting, the guy was from Zanzibar, and you know where Zanzibar is. Zanzibar? I'm not sure. Where is Zanzibar? Zanzibar is off of the southeast coast of Africa, sticking out there in the Indian Ocean. And uh, it is, of course, Sub-Saharan Africa, so it's a black country, and they speak a dialect of Swahili. And this guy was fluent in English, smart guy, traveled all over the world, and studied and traveled in India and, and England and uh, the United States and different places. And he, he was a fascinating guy. And so we got to talking, we were talking politics and sociology and all that. He said, I just don't understand why black Americans call themselves African Americans. They're not African Americans. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're right. You know, the, I've no African-Americans. I have doctor friends that are from uh, Nigeria and, and met people like this. And I even knew a, a white woman who was a nurse practitioner about 20 years ago. And she was raised in the Congo or Central African Republic, whatever it's called now. Her parents were missionaries, so she was born and raised there. She spoke fluent Swahili with the clicks and all. Wow. Wow. I said, you're the first African-American that I really have ever met. <laughs> you know, somebody who was born and raised in, in the sub-Saharan Africa and, and came out of there. And, she, of course, she was a white woman. So that wouldn't have gone over well politically. But it must have been fascinating to talk to her. Yes, yeah, she was. I said, what's the problem? Why can't, the, <clears throat> why can't these sub-Saharan nations get themselves together? She said, they're so tribal. You know, if one tribe gets in power, they think, well, the other tribe took advantage of me when they were in power. So we're going to get everything we can while we're in power. So there's a lot of corruption and uh, a lot of infighting and our tribe versus your tribe, uh, the Tutsis and the Hutus killing each other in Rwanda and, you know, that kind of nonsense. And uh, it, it, you know, basically it's similar to what happened with the North American, quote, quote, Native Americans who really were from. Siberia came across the landmass, you know, they just couldn't get organized. There weren't enough of them for any one tribe to be dominant. Uh, But when you got into Mexico and Central America, you had a smaller area and you had bigger populations of Native Americans. And of course the Aztecs took over that whole, that whole area that we now call Mexico. Uh, So it it takes a while, but there was a lot of infighting in the tribes and, and in the, in the United States, what we think of as the United States, there was a lot of infighting, you know, they would raid each other's villages and kidnap their women and, uh, had wars between themselves and the Shawnee and the Pawnee hated each other. And, you know, they, they played politics and then in the French and Indian war, they sided with the French. And of course, in the French and Indian war, we were fighting with the British cause
3: were a British
2: colony. So That's we right. didn't think too highly. We didn't like that. <clears throat> But that, you know, Ken, that that's what happens when you when you uh, divide yourself down. And I think that one of the one of the real dangers of uh, of this pluralism, this uh, all inclusiveness, and trying to tout African Americans and Italian Americans and uh, Polish Americans and Jewish Americans on and on. I mean, diversity is really not the way to hold a country together. You hold a country together by taking all of the different parts of the subcultures and mishmashing them into one, which is what we do very well.
1: Give us your huddled masses. That's right.
2: I mean, that's that's the way to do it. Otherwise, you'll balkanize. And if you have two languages, then three, then four, then all of a sudden you, you've got, you know, Florida speaking Spanish and New York speaking Italian and fights breaking out and misunderstandings, and that doesn't work very well. You need one language. Yeah, absolutely. You need need homogeneity to a certain degree.
1: But even in the (laughs) uh, 20s, my grandfather came over here in the 20s, and he told me stories about how, in Chicago anyway, it was very segregated. I mean, the German area, there was the Italian area, the Polish area, and so on and so forth, and you did not wander in any of those areas. If you were no. if you were German, you stayed in your German area because you're going to get beat up. You bet your booty. It was all will. tribal. It was all tribal, even in the same city. So, but that yeah, eventually I mean, went away. That eventually went away. I think as the children learned uh, English and everything, just sort of homogenized.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the only way you're going to have a, a unified country is to homogenize everything, and we're, we're absorbing black Americans. We had a, a huge internal immigration of black Americans into the mainstream culture. And actually it's going fairly well. You know, there's people that say that there's still a lot of racism around, but I I think that there is actually very little given the size and diversity of our country. And you know, all the people that I talk to from outside the United States, they say this is the least racist country they've been to. And they see us as Americans. When when you travel outside the United States, I don't care what color you are, or what you consider yourself ethnically. If you're an American and you speak English, the whole world sees you as an American. They don't see you as a black American or a white American or a red American. You're an American. And that's the bottom line.
1: That's what we should all be thinking of ourselves as. Yep.
2: Americans. We're we're not. We're not. But it's a lot better than it used to be. Oh, it's, oh, yeah. We're making progress. We're making progress. We just... We can't let these crazy left-wing Democrats convince everybody that we're a racist nation and that we're no good and we need to be taken apart. I mean, that that's insanity. What's wrong with these people?
1: They like big um, ratings.
2: I mean, yeah, I guess it's ratings and they get a following. You got to you know,
1: stir the people up if you want them to come back and watch tomorrow.
2: That's right. And, you know, this guy Fetterman, he was the mayor of some little town in Pennsylvania And he was always talking about how many problems they had and how run down it was and how destitute (laughs) the city council members are like, are you talking about the same town we live in? And they're like, hey, dude, if you don't like it, why don't you go find another town to be mayor of? But uh, apparently that has been a selling point for him. He's been able to get a lot of votes by taking that contrarian negative view.
1: Well, I do feel sorry for the guy who had a stroke, but you know.
2: Why did he have a stroke?
1: Why did he have a stroke? Oh, what a nice segue into medicine here. Um,
2: Why did he have a stroke? Wasn't taking care of himself. (laughs) Probably. Probably. And didn't see doctors, didn't trust them. So what do you want? You don't take care of your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your clotting problems and all that. You're going to have a stroke. All right. People say, I don't feel bad. You know what? They don't call it the silent killer for nothing.
1: <laughs> that's right. And you've seen them uh, plenty of them, I imagine. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I you're don't... getting. That's why you're on me all the time, Doc. That's get, right. Get I'm the blood to... pressure down. Get the cholesterol down. And I appreciate get... it. Somebody's got to
2: care. And quit smoking. Quit smoking. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm working yes, on sir, it. Yes, sir, Doctor, sir.
1: I am working on it.
2: Speaking of medicine. Have you heard this this whole new thing now? The lawyers have, have jumped on this acetaminophen, you know, Tylenol, you know what that is? Yeah, sure. That's an over-the-counter painkiller. Uh, there are some studies that are that are linking the use of acetaminophen of Tylenol during pregnancy to autism, hyperactivity, and on. they'll pull out everything they can. And uh, so there was a a big retrospective look back study uh, that was done. Uh, by the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, the Division of Pharmacy, they they went through all of the uh, studies, and their caution is uh, should be that things should be interpreted uh, cautiously, given the available evidence consists of observational studies and is susceptible to several potential sources of bias. Observational studies are look back, you know, they're not uh, forward planned studies, so it's not like you had ten thousand women were given placebo and 10,000 women could use the real Tylenol. And then they looked at the outcomes over a period of time. These were uh, kind of uh, association type studies where they looked at women who had autistic kids and they tried to determine what medications they were taking. And one of the common factors because Tylenol has been considered fairly innocuous over the decades, is that women were told by their OBGYNs that they could use Tylenol for, for pain. Okay, well, maybe there is a relationship, but there's a lot more confounders, a lot more factors involved, Ken, and all of a sudden now, these are going to court, and there's a federal judge in downstate New York who said, yeah, you can take this to trial. So the lawyers are, they're all drooling, of course. Uh, and uh, all the Tylenol manufacturers are going to be moving out of the country back to China or Ireland or somewhere.
1: Doesn't seem like it's real strong evidence, but.
2: <clears throat> no, I, I don't. I think there's a lot more that we need to see. You know, it, it's just people get on their high horses about every little thing. I remember when saccharin was supposed to cause cancer. <laughs> So it was going to kill out. us all. It was going to kill us all, Doc. And in Congress in the 70s, honest to God, they were considering a bill to outlaw saccharin. And it <laughs> took pe- <laughs> i couldn't believe it. Like, what are you guys doing? Or, or don't you have legislation yet? Why don't you leave this stuff to the doctors and, this pharmacist and, this and well, the pharmacists and the scientists? I can't
1: preceptor. keep up with it. You can you can drink coffee. You can't drink coffee. You can <laughs> have an egg. You can't have eggs. You have three eggs. You can't only have two eggs. I mean,
2: what it's is ridiculous. it? ridiculous. Yeah. It's it, it's, it's nonsense. It's My just... grandfather
1: used to eat straight fat and ask for everybody's fat from the table. He lived to be 96. Yeah, but what did he look like? <laughs> <laughs> lumpy. He was lumpy. And he smoked the Lucky Strikes until he was 65, then he quit.
2: Then he quit. Well, see, that's why he lived. So how
1: old are you now? 63.
2: Okay, you got two years, and then you have to quit. All right. I'll, I'll take that deal. Grandpa, the ghost of grandpa is going to be there. (laughs) So we've got all kinds of research coming out on this. And I don't listen. I'm not opposed to people doing research to see what causes things like autism or hyperactivity. And they say that there is a great uh, or there's been a great increase in the number of kids who are born autistic. Ken, I have not seen a, a real big increase in, in autistic patients. Of course, my patient population are, are adults. Um, in the neighborhood where we raised our son, uh, there was one kid that was autistic. And I would guess that that's in a neighborhood with several hundred kids that that was probably not uncommon. And, uh, you know, there were autistic kids when I was growing up. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Are there really that many more? Or is there just a a surge of diagnoses of of kids with autism? Kids are being discovered. And, you know, there's various degrees, according to the pediatricians and the psychiatrists and the people that are doing the diagnosing of autism. So it used to be if you were autistic, you knew your kid was autistic. But now it's like, well, he doesn't look at me. Well, a lot of boys just don't want to look in the eyes of human beings, you know, <laughs> We'd rather look at trucks. Well, my
1: We'd daughter rather... my daughter works with autistic children, so I'm going to mm-hmm. ask her if it's, a, if it's on the increase or has been over the past decade or so.
2: I think maybe the diagnosis has, and yeah. there's more awareness, but I don't know if there's really been an increase. But again, I'm not in that field, so I'm not going to make any big statements uh, and, and, and declarations. But I think we need to do more research before we uh, dismantle the the acetaminophen business in the United States. It works.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably a good idea. A little more research.
2: <laughs> a little more research would be helpful.
1: I don't... Me- you know, it's it's like everything else, Doc, is, uh, nowadays. Everything is amplified. Much more. Okay. Uh, much more than it was just 10, 15 years ago. So if you get we, something uh, like yeah, that, that, it hits everybody's media. It's on everybody's feed.
2: You know, it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. And it, my son, he, he's challenges me because he's a liberal and he, and I say, where did you learn this? He said on the internet. Of course. <laughs> and if it's on mean, the internet, this,
1: it's got to be true.
2: It, was, was this a reputable site or was this, was this research? Was this, I mean, did you go to the, uh, organization of economic, uh, cooperation and development, uh, or did you just pull this off of Joe Blow's, uh, blog page, you know? But, you know, you can't convince people it's an emotional thing. It's an emotional thing. They get it in their heads that this is right and this is wrong. And like my son said, Pops, it's only right that we have free education. Education is a good thing and, and it helps people elevate themselves. And therefore, the $10,000 or $20,000 debt relief for college that President Biden has implemented is a good thing. I'm thinking, damn, who's going to pay for all this? <laughs> he ain't well, paying much taxes yet. Well, as he gets older,
1: hopefully, he'll make more money and pay more taxes. Yeah, that's the only way it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, and uh, he got a free ride—not a free ride. I mean, we paid his way through college, and, and for him, that's a free ride. In graduate school, uh, it wasn't—it wasn't a public handout, and he could have had even a partial scholarship if he had just put his nose to the grindstone in high school, but he, he was having too much fun. There's a lot of that going around, but he did well in college. He graduated uh, magna cum laude. Oh, that's impressive. Yes. I didn't do that well. Any rate. So then speaking of health, did you see where this guy in California attacked uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband and broke his skull, cracked his skull? Yes, of course he broke into their house and he was looking for her. Apparently to was some kind of nut, nut job. And he used to be a, a liberal nut job. And now I guess he's a conservative nut job. And I think her husband's name is Paul. And they rushed him off to Zuckerberg, San Francisco General Hospital, Zuckerberg, Jewish side of the family, good name. And some guy named David DePape, 42 years old, obviously psychotic, Uh, has been taken into custody, and he was taken to San Francisco General, and it wasn't clear whether it was for medical or psychiatric reasons. Well, I'm guessing number two. (laughs) 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 Poor Paul. He got busted for DUI, going to court, and then somebody whacks him on the head.
1: Yeah, he's had a bad couple of months.
2: He has. Uh, You know, they
1: have a a substantial amount of money in that family. I'm surprised they didn't have their own private security because it— in, under statute, I guess, that he can't be covered by her security.
2: You know, I'd, I would think they had private security because she's uh, so high profile and it's such a dangerous city right now. But apparently they don't. No, apparently not. Well, if if this is what's happening, that some guy can break into their home and whack somebody on the head, I would say that they got a problem, dude.
1: They should ask for their money back if they've got a security deal with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Absolutely. Doc, we're coming up on uh, the bottom of the hour here. Uh-oh. And uh, I thought we'd do a question. What do you think? You in the mood? I'm in the mood. Let's do it. Let's give away two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. Again, two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs up for grabs. If you can answer this question. The question always deals with something that happened in the first half of the show. And uh, you should be able to answer it. If you've been listening and paying attention, as you should be, call 877 969 if you know where Doc is broadcasting from today, 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. That's oh, right. First it. correct caller will win. Good luck to you. And we'll be right back. You bet we will be, Doc. We'll see you in a couple of seconds. You got it, buddy.
3: Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Greg Plugston in Washington. The death toll stands at 151 in Seoul, South Korea. That's where people were trapped and crushed this weekend in a huge Halloween crowd. Authorities say most of the victims were in their teens and 20s. President Biden among the world leaders expressing shock and sending condolences, saying we grieve with the people of the Republic of Korea. Somalia's president says at least 100 people were killed in yesterday's two car bombings. It took place at a busy junction in the capital city. The death toll could rise, according to authorities there. It was the deadliest attack in Somalia since a truck bombing at the same spot in October 2017. Al-Qaeda-linked al-Shabaab, which often targets the capital, has claimed responsibility for the deadly attack. This is SRN News.
0: 860 The Answer. Listen on our website at 93.7 FM. W229 DJ Dunedin. By downloading the Answer Tampa app
2: or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727 384 6411. 727 384 6411. Full service clinic with x ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411.
0: The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour. Only on AM860, The Answer.
2: Today, we'll have intervals of clouds and sun with a high 87. Tonight, mainly clear with a low 71. Tomorrow, sunshine Apache clouds and a high 87. Tomorrow night, clear with a low 71. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high 88. Wednesday, sunny to partly cloudy with a high 87. Thursday, partly sunny with a high 86. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Garrett Beck. Fram 860, the answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. Got Ken with me and we're doing a radio show this morning. I apologize that I'm not streaming, but for some reason, this, uh, this setup here in this hotel will not let me send my video out. So we're not on Facebook or YouTube today. Oh, well, we'll get back there next week. We're glad to have you on the radio anytime, Doc. I appreciate that. By the way, speaking of uh, bad news, did you see what happened in uh, Seoul, South Korea yesterday? What went crazy over there? What set that off? Uh, Well, you know, it was a Halloween party, and they were expecting maybe 50,000 people to show up. and I guess a couple hundred thousand showed up, and mostly kids, because it was the end of the pandemic, and everybody wanted to get out. And... Idiwan is uh, a party touristy area. They've got shops, they've got venues, they've got restaurants and bars. And there's also, um, as in a lot of older, big cities, there are alleys that are fairly, you know, streets that are fairly narrow and some sort of dead end or have little access to get out at the back end. And I guess they were packing in, the kids were packing in, uh, to this one alley. And, uh, somehow there was a panic and and i guess they started pushing to try to get out and as they pushed the people at the front started pushing back and it ended up with over 151 people crushed to death oh man that's terrible yeah and kids mostly teenagers young adults in costumes and having fun and i think it's it's important that you you Be very conscious of, uh, if you're in a crowd, of where you are in the crowd. We almost uh, had a disaster when we were in New York. I don't know if I told you this story. We were up there for New Year's Eve, and we were right in Times Square. We stayed at one of the Hilton properties, and uh, they had a little area that they sectioned off and sold tickets. And so we bought three tickets for Myung and Zeke and myself. And we went out there, and afterwards, uh, the hotel entrance is right next to the subway entrance and so we're about 20 30 feet from the hotel entrance and the subway entrance and so we started to try to make our way back to the hotel and this crush of people were trying to you know tens of thousands of people were trying to converge into this this little (laughs) opening to go down to the subway because you know new york city the subway is the transportation oh my god and so all the guys you know we're we start yelling, push back, stop, you know, we're sending it through the crowd. And I had to actually pick Zeke and Myeongju up and hand them over the barricade to the doorman at the hotel to get us out of the crush. My goodness. Fortunately, uh, I think that there were enough adult males that cooler heads prevailed and and uh, we were able to to get the crowd to, to quit pushing and back up. But uh it was, you know, it, it it could have turned into a disaster very quickly. I can see how these things happen. You know, people want to get somewhere. They want to get somewhere. And uh, they'll do what they have to do to get where they want to go. Well, I've never been a fan of uh, tight places and crowds anyway, so I tend to no, avoid them. No, no. I mean, if you look at the videos of the street scene there in, in Seoul, it is packed. I mean, packed. Cars can't even get through. You couldn't even get through there. That's not a fun night. Suddenly, someone started pushing, and people were screaming, and then it was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, stay stay in yeah. your neighborhood and go trick-or-treating. Well, yeah, but don't eat those little pink fentanyl tablets. Oh,
1: please. <laughs> no, man, what is going on there? I'm telling you. <laughs> it's called Rainbow Fentanyl, if you haven't heard about this. It's the latest, this, this latest nightmare from... The drug dealers of Mexico, I guess. And, yeah. Um, uh, rainbow fentanyl looks like candy, isn't that nice?
2: Looks like little uh, little uh,
1: rainbow hearts or
2: something, you know? Yeah, little
1: rainbow hearts, and they come in boxes and
2: candy boxes. Yeah, they pull gummies, they do everything. I tell you, <laughs> it's frightening, and it is. Why? Why are we letting this happen? That's that's. I think the midterms are going to answer a lot of this, though. I think the midterms are going to go against the left-wing Democrats. Uh, it looks like it to me, Ken. I don't know. What's your take? Oh, you think I think there? it
1: will just on the economy.
2: Yeah, I think on the economy, and I, I think that there's enough sentiment now about the border and enough awareness. The left won't, the, the, the left-wing press, they won't say anything about it, but certainly it is happening, and it's hard to deny, and you're going to have People realize this, especially when Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott are sending busloads of immigrants up to New York and Chicago and wherever.
1: And I don't see anything wrong with that at all. It's a national problem. Should be a national solution.
2: That's right. And uh, I see where the uh, the Republican candidate for governor in Arizona, she's going to invoke the Constitution and claim this is an invasion. And that will give her the authority to, I guess, to send the National Guard down to the border and do what she thinks she has to do. Oh, no, well,
1: more power to her.
2: We'll see what happens. Yeah. It should be interesting. We got a winner, by the way, Doc, before we get too deep
1: into the show here. Who we got? Uh, Roland Curley. Roland
2: Curley of Clearwater. Hey, Roland. Thanks, buddy. We love you. Thanks he, for listening. He was
1: listening. He gets himself to Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs for knowing the answer to today's question was Doc is doing the show from where, Doc?
2: Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, I was in Tennessee. Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge yesterday.
1: Beautiful country down there,
2: up there. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous. And uh, we went horseback riding. We had a good time. We ate and, and walked around. I, I mean, there's like a, a thousand restaurants in Gatlinburg alone. It is really, and shops and uh, amusement parks and roller coasters and chairlifts lifts. We took the uh, we took the chairlift up to the top of the mountain that sits over uh, Gatlinburg, and they have a really nice area up there. And they've got fire pits and restaurants and shops, and you can walk around. Beautiful view of the area. It was pretty neat, really. I, I was surprised. Yeah, that sounds much more developed than the last time I went through there. Oh yeah, and I mean, there we met a family from Wisconsin in, in the candy store yesterday. It's like, where are you guys from? They said, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> said where he said, we're right on the lake about halfway between Milwaukee and green Bay. I said, very good. First time down here. He said, yep. So right. they're coming from all over the world. Well, and there's Dollywood, which is a good sized theme park, you know,
1: never been there, but I know the kids went once with the vivacious Deborah. There
2: you go. Meanwhile, back in the Ukraine. Russia says they're not going to ship grain anymore. They're stopping that Black Sea grain deal. They've had enough of this nonsense of being embarrassed by these, uh, these dang Ukrainians. (laughs) So, and then, oh, by the way, they also blamed the British Navy for putting the hole in. You remember we talked about that gas pipeline that goes through the, uh, the Baltic Sea from, from Russia down into uh, Northern Germany that sends a lot of, natural gas, liquid gas down there. Right. They say that the hole that's in it, you know, there was a hole that opened up in one of the pipes that that was the British Navy. They did that. Oh, did they? <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think, Why well, would they do that? What would they have to gain? Um, I couldn't figure it out because certainly they can't supply enough gas to Europe. They don't pump that much out of the North Sea, out of their, their, uh, their wellheads, and we're not sending them enough. So why would you want to get the uh, the continent upset with you by about disrupting their energy supply line when winter's coming and it's supposed to be a cold winter too, Ken?
1: Well, you know, it's um, might just be for internal prop-
2: propaganda. I'm sure it's because nobody well, outside course.
1: nobody outside Russia believes it.
2: No. So the U.N. Secretary General, he's trying to get the Ukrainians and Russians to renew the grain deal. Uh, and the Ukrainians, they say their electricity is coming back on after Russians made a concerted effort to bomb all of their electrical plants. Now the European Union's frozen Russian assets worth about 14.6 billion pounds or 17 uh, billion uh, I guess 14.6 billion pounds is about the same as $14 billion now. I think that probably the pound's still down a little bit against the dollar, but that's, I mean, that's not a huge amount of money, but. But well, it used to be here. double. It used to be more than double. Yeah, yeah. not anymore. And then the, the Ukrainians and Russians, they decided they'd exchange prisoners. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and then. Elon Musk, you know, he he got Twitter. Did you see that? I know, and he fired everybody. <laughs> he fired all the top guys.
1: He did you hear? But, did you hear what the golden parachute was though for those guys? Well, yeah.
2: The hundred and twenty was a hundred and twenty million dollars. Hey, yeah, but that's between five or six people, so that's not a. I mean, that that's a lot to you and me, but that's not a lot in that high level corporate world. Yeah, but it heard, t- it
1: takes the sting off of being fired.
2: You know, well. You know, my sisters were all upset because when uh, when the banks went down in '08, and the top executives still got their their golden parachutes. Yeah. They said that's illegal. I said, what do you mean it's illegal? They had a contract. They not illegal. If you <laughs> if, if you don't honor the contract, then they'll sue you, and the, the the companies will end up paying more money. They'll end up paying not only the parachute but also the legal fees. That's
1: right. Because when they want you, they'll agree to anything. Yeah, it's the other end that they're upset about.
2: And so now Elon Musk he he's calling himself the big bird, the big tweeter, oh, and he's okay. gonna he's gonna bring back free speech. And he walked into headquarters with a kitchen sink under his arm. <laughs> 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 I've got you gotta love. I him like the guy, guy. yeah. yeah Re- regardless yeah. of his politics or anything else, I just like the guy. Uh, and he, you know, he was a Democrat and now he's morphing. I guess he's looking at his tax bill after he had to <laughs> s- sell a bunch of stock and pay taxes. He's like, wait a minute, what am I doing this for? <laughs> yeah, he has moved to the right. Yeah, he's he's moving to the right. And I, I kind of like that he's uh, willing to take on the, the the press and use his power and his leverage to... to uh, bring back free speech, and bring it more open. I mean, it's like an open marketplace. Open markets are good. They are They're good. They're good. They breed competition. They breed uh, inventiveness. They keep, they keep prices they, they down. Keep, they keep prices down. They breed ingenuity. And we already have a, you know, anti-monopoly uh, uh, laws in the country, so we can always do something to interfere with anybody who's trying to monopolize one thing. At any rate, Dr. Oz is leading now in Pennsylvania against Fetterman. You know, Fetterman is the, the guy that had the stroke, and he was the mayor of some little town and bad the town, and they asked him if he'd mind running for another office somewhere else. <laughs> well, the debate really did him in. Yeah.
1: Because the people were able to see how bad he is. Yeah. As far uh, as his medical condition.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, he was bad even before the stroke. <laughs> different he, he kind was, of bad. Yeah, I mean he he was kind of a a, a little bit a sensationalist and a little bit of a, a oddball but uh, but now physically and mentally physically yeah now everything kind of fits together better. Yeah. Well,
3: in Arizona,
2: a federal judge said that a group, a conservative group can monitor Arizona ballot drop boxes, federal judge says. I guess they have to stay 45 feet away or whatever the the ruling is but you know there's been a lot of claims that these drop boxes were used by the left to stuff the ballot box and, and sway the election against Trump and whether you believe that or not uh, and by the way there are a lot of people that don't believe that even conservatives that who say oh come on he, he lost fair and square but Ken elections are not They're not as clean as you would think. They never are. There's never been a perfectly clean election. In the Tilden Hayes election in the 1870s, 110% of one South Carolina town voted. 110% (laughs) of the population. (laughs) That used to happen in Chicago all the time. Well, where do you think they learned it? (laughs) (laughs) We had more
1: dead people voting there than live people sometimes
2: and you know, kennedy even confronted his father joe and said did you rig the election in chicago right. the answer <laughs> yes. was yes yeah yes,
1: exactly I yeah.
2: Did. you know now you're president shut up be happy so exactly the problem is is how do you how do you go back after the fact i mean you really have to have a proactive uh, agenda to to cut down on this uh, voter fraud and I'm sure that it's gone on on both sides of the political spectrum over the decades, but uh, I, th- I think it's important that we have the ability not only to count the ballots with both sides there, but also to keep an eye on the ballot boxes and on the voting places and make sure that uh, that things are being done properly. And how do we know? I mean, how do we know what's going on if we don't have eyes on the on the situation? You know what I'm saying, Ken? Sure should be transparent as possible. And I said this about uh, about the police, too. I know that they're having a hard time right now with all of the defunding and the anti-police sentiment. But I also think that we need to have civilian review boards with eyes on the police so that we can weed out the bad guys. Because, you know, it's like any fraternity. You're going to want to protect your brother or sister. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, you, you want to if If you have somebody who you've known for years and uh, there are accusations of malfeasance against them, uh, your first response is going to be to defend them. I mean that's just human nature you're going to do that if it's your kid. Wait a minute, my kid didn't do that well then you got to go sit down with the principal and she'll explain to you, yes, he did do that <laughs> you
1: know? yeah, I remember those days, yeah
2: yeah, and uh <laughs> So that, that happens, and, and that's just human nature. And I think that we have to be very open and transparent, not only about elections, but about policing, about medicine, about all of the things that are uh, vital to the public interest. We have to be willing to sit down and go through what we have done and look at our mistakes and learn from them. And we do that in the hospital all the time. And we try not to punish people. We try to find the root cause and figure out what happened and fix it. And if it's a breakdown in communication, well, then we fix that. If it's a breakdown in laboratory services, then we find out why there was a breakdown and we fix that. And uh, we talk about these things at the lunch table. We have the, utilization manager and the quality manager and they all eat lunch and the administrator. And and we talk about these things. We talk about how to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Why is somebody who's already on a blood thinner getting more blood thinners? What's going on here? We don't want them bleeding to death. You know what I mean? Sure. You're working together. You're cooperating with each other. We need more
1: cooperation in this country.
2: Yeah. You need root cause analysis. (laughs) What we usually and do is so just throw more there, money at it. Yeah, if there's if there has been election fraud, then we want uh, to do some root cause analysis and find out first of all if there really was election fraud, and secondly, how can we prevent this? Nothing's going to be a hundred percent, Ken. No, like I said, there's never been the perfect election. No, there's never the perfect election, uh, but I, I do think that if we try, we we can effect change. And I think things have, for the most part, gotten better over the centuries. How far away do you think we are from,
1: let's say, using either a retina scan or a fingerprint scan on a computer
2: page to vote? Oh, the, the Democrats would melt down over that. <laughs> <laughs> too, too much of an idea, huh? fall out. <laughs> Too much honesty there. Uh, the fingerprint scan they're saying now that because i have i use a fingerprint uh, on my phone to log in they're saying that that's not as uh secure as other ways and even the facial scan i guess is is pretty good but it's not perfect but uh retinal scan would work I guess you could you know dig out somebody's eyeball and put that up there ooh and... Get you an extra that, vote? Or
1: two. That's a lot. That's a lot to go through for an extra vote. Yeah. <laughs> it it is. really is. But I'm just wondering how far you think we are. A dozen years,
2: 20, 50, 100? Oh, they've already got retinals and scanners that can identify you. Yeah, but They're, before we can trust it with a with with a vote. It depends on on how acceptable that is to all the various parties. You know the the left will not want it because that will mean that a lot of people who are perhaps not registered, shall I say can, yeah. won't be able to finagle their way into getting a ballot and getting a vote. Right now, you know, we heard this in the 2020 election, uh, there were a lot of people that died during the pandemic and their kids would just take the old farts ballots
3: and, <laughs> and
2: send them in for the <laughs> So they were double dipping. Yeah, and you know how are you going to stop that? I mean, with a retinal scan, you can certainly stop it. But well, the then, more
1: on the other side, the more a vote is computerized, the more it can be messed with. Somewhere down the line.
2: Depending on the number of steps, yes.
1: Yeah, you know, somewhere, the somewhere more steps along the chain. Yeah.
2: Process. It's the same way with paper ballots. The more people that handle the ballots, the more they go from one truck to another, the more potential there is for uh, interference and fraud. Yeah. So let's so go back I to had an had action. Nothing- just show up on election day. Well, I would, but I'm afraid I'll get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> Some left-wing guy that's like, Dr. Bill! <laughs> <laughs> Whap! <laughs> I'll be in the hospital alongside Paul uh, uh, with his cracked head, you know. Nancy Pelosi's We'll give
1: you a pit helmet and some sunglasses. You'll be fine. Okay, good. I feel better
2: (laughs) now. (laughs) And we sanctioned, I don't know why we decided to do this, but the U.S. sanctions an Iran-based foundation for putting a bounty on author Salman Rushdie's head. Do you remember who Salman Rushdie is? Yeah, he's barely
1: hanging to life in a New York hospital or something,
2: isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Somebody Uh, stabbed him
1: 20 times?
2: Yeah. Uh, I guess the guy that, that... kills him gets a million bucks okay and well i'm thinking
1: <laughs> he's halfway there i think you know yeah you know a pillow and it's over did they arrest anybody in that they did arrest the guy didn't they <laughs> they did they got yeah, him well, okay well he he enjoys millions in jail then
2: yep and, and i guess salman was what he must be in his 80s now so gotta be yeah he's pretty close to the end anyway Just consider it euthanasia. (laughs) I paid euthanasia. (laughs) A million bucks. Poor Salman. I mean, the guy had a, he was a published author, and he hadn't lived in Iran, I'm sure, for a couple of decades. And the book wasn't even really all that inflammatory, but uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, when he came in and took over, he decided that Rushdie was a bad guy and had to be gotten, so they went after him. We well, he friend. he
1: stayed alive for a long time, considering yeah. they've been after him.
2: Yeah, and uh, one of my friends was working out in a gym up in New York where he lived, and looked over and there's Salman Rushdie working out. <laughs> <laughs> He's Like, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was even the subject of a uh, Seinfeld episode at one point. Yeah. So he was quite the. Uh,
2: pop- he got uh, out and about. Yeah, he was a uh, he was an icon there for a while. Uh, you know, you got to you got to defend free speech and you got to defend freedom of thought and freedom of religion and all these freedoms have to be defended. And like I tell all of my friends, you know, I say, what do you put first? Do you put the Bible or the Torah first or do you put the constitution first? Oh, I the Bible or the Torah. I said, dude, if you don't put the constitution first, then all those other books are not protected. So the first and the most sacred document is the Constitution of the United States because it protects all the other documents. And if you don't get that, then, you know, you're going to have Bur- book burnings everywhere. You're going to have book burnings, you're going to have Holocaust, you're going to have, uh, you know, racial and religious wars and everything else. I said, look, you got to put something that's over everything. It's like an umbrella. Just look at it like an umbrella. It protects all the other books. There you go.
1: There you go. No, you're Right on the money on that one, Doc.
2: And if you, uh, yeah,
1: you got to do that. So where are you going for Halloween? What are you going to do? I'm dressing up as a radio announcer. <laughs> what,
2: the, <laughs> and, what does that look like? And I'll be going jeans pretty, jeans
1: pretty much. A yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be knocking on doors asking for food. <laughs> Not necessarily candy, just whatever you got. You know what are you cooking? What are you <laughs> cooking tonight? You got some chicken in got there? A, it smells good. Oh, look, girl. pizza! Great. <laughs> pizza. I'll take a piece pizza. <laughs> I'll just pizza. wander around the house, grab whatever I want, and leave. Yeah, just don't hit anybody on the head. <laughs> we got about a minute and a half here, Doc. What do you want to finish
2: up with today? I think that the probably the, the the biggest news for me is Elon Musk taking over Twitter, and the left is melting down. Reuters has a a big a big uh, article on. Is this the end of free speech? And I'm thinking, what the end of free speech? <laughs> There's going to be more free speech. But what do I know?
1: Is he bringing the uh, the uh, Donald back?
2: He said, I think he's uh, going to have him let him come back, but Donald's got his own uh, venue now. Oh, he, he may started. not want to come back now. Yeah, yeah, and he, I think Donald said uh, congratulations and good luck to you, but I think he's going to stick with with his new venture. Uh, I think that this will hurt his venture, but nevertheless. At any rate, we're towards the end of the show and we're having a good time here, but we got to go, folks. And I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I am at six three nine nine thirty eighth Avenue North. We do a little bit of everything. Come on in, 727 384 727 384 6411. If you want a telemedicine visit, just call will text you the link or send it to you and you just click it and you're with me it's it's very simple to do and we love you guys we appreciate you ken thanks for being with us today and i am going to get out of here i am dr bill your radio md
0: thank you for listening to dr bill your radio md Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at CanCareClinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most
2: dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn.
0: With in-depth interviews, archival footage,